for once in a lifetime. You need to never stop improving. The constant focus on individual growth. How will you be financially free? Welcome to the Empower Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to another Empower Podcast. We're stoked to have Enzo on here today. Enzo, how are you? Doing good, doing good. How about yourself? Doing great, man. How's things in Florida? Sunny Pensacola, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty good. Sunny. It's actually, we've been in a tropical storm, so it's been raining every single day. Oh, no way, dude. I didn't know that. How, How long is it supposed to last? Um, they're saying, so it started like three days ago. They're saying through the end of the week, but, uh, honestly, I like, I like working in the rain more. So, oh, no way. So it's a good thing for you. Yeah. Are people pretty used to that in Florida? I mean, when there's a tropical storm, is that pretty normal? Like not a big deal? Yeah. Not a big deal at all. Everyone's like, all right, grab your sandbags. Like, let's get ready. Really? So So it's like another week, another day in the life. It's not a big deal for anybody. Yeah, exactly. Dude, and you've traveled all over Florida at this point because didn't you serve a mission in Florida as well? Yeah, so I served a mission in in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, that area. Um, so down from Miami all the way up to 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 Fort Myers, so kind of on the west coast. So I've been on the east coast, west coast to Florida, and then all the way up to Pensacola, down in Orlando. I've just been all over. Dang, so Florida's almost home now. Yeah, honestly, since my mission, I've always wanted to live here, so it's it's been a dream come true right now. Dude, that is crazy. And where are you from originally? Are you from New Jersey or? Yeah, so I was actually born in New York City. Um, so that's where I was born. That's where my dad still works. Um, but after after that, we moved out just to get a little more space, just to get away from the city. Moved to New Jersey, bounced around a couple places, and for the most part, I was I was between a place called Princeton and Trenton. So just oh. kind of near Princeton University. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. So you're born in New York City. When you say New York City, you mean New York, New York, right? Yeah, like like Queens, Manhattan. Queens, Manhattan. And that's where your dad worked, and he still works there. Yep, so he's actually in the Empire State Building. So Wow, dude, cool. that's crazy. So he's doing like a very corporate-style life probably in the Empire State. Yep, yep, he does marketing, so... Dang, that's awesome. So you guys live in New Jersey now, and he just commutes there every day? Yeah, exactly. Just through the train. Wow. How far is that commute for him? Um, It depends. It's usually about an hour, hour and a half. Interesting. So you guys are out of the city. So where you live in New Jersey, that's like more suburb type, like normal houses, not city life, right? Yeah, exactly. And then he just commutes into the city every day. Dang, that's really cool. So I'm sure you're very familiar with New York and all the East Coast states. Yeah. That's wild. If you're from New Jersey, New York, don't you vacation in Florida? Is that kind of the main idea? Yeah, so it's kind of like how in California, Utah, that area, you, you go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Here, it's just Florida. Okay, so, I mean, Florida's kind of a dream in general for anyone on the East Coast to go hang out in. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of New Yorkers out here. Dude, that's awesome, bro. So that's where you grew up your whole life, and then you went to Florida on the mission. And then did you come out and sell right after your mission, right after you got off? Nope. So I did, I did a year and a half of school. Um, so I was just at BYU in Utah, Provo. Um, and then after that, I was, I was good friends with someone who was coming out here. He was bouncing around from company to company. I was just kind of following him. Yeah. Uh, and I ended up out here. So. Dang, man. So that's how you end up making out here. And now that you're there, you've been there since around January this year. Is that right? 
More like February. More like February. Yeah. Okay, so you've been with Empower in in Florida since February, bouncing around different markets. Now you kind of found yourself at home in Pensacola, and you're leading a team there, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. That's awesome, dude. What's your plans now with school and stuff? That I guess school gonna happen again? Are you doing online classes? Are you over that? What's your thoughts there? I know there's a lot of reps that are trying to figure that out. Oh, and I'm one of those reps, unfortunately. <laughs> so I, I am, so I signed up for classes in the fall just in case, because I want to make sure that whatever decision I make, I can, I can be flexible. So uh-huh. let's say I decide to go to school. Great. I'll do that. Um, and then if I decide to stay out here, that's, that's no big deal too. So I'm just trying to decide right now, see what's best. Cause Honestly, I'm just juggling it, and, and I don't know. This is an opportunity. I'm not sure if I can just, just let go by. So yeah, I might have to hold off on school. Dang, so you're just kind of figuring out right now, letting the summer go by. You're signed up for classes, but you don't know what exactly that means for you yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's funny, dude. That's awesome. That's cool. It's It honestly is hard to know. Like I remember being that stage of like, all right, now school's coming to an end, or what am I doing with my life? And you kind of have to buckle down and make up your mind, but it's always tough to get to that state, that spot. Yeah. And exactly. so now you're out there, you have a team. Right now, how big is your team that you're running? Um, so so we're split up. We are technically the office is about twenty eight people. Um, but we've we split up to be our team is around eight people. Mm-hmm. Right. So so we're just at eight people right now. Okay, awesome, dude. And are most of those guys all first-year door-to-door reps? I know this is your first year ever in door-to-door. Is that right? Or did you sell something last year? No, this is my first year ever doing door-to-door. Wow. That is crazy. I, that's why I'm so stoked for this podcast is obviously if anyone listening to this and all of our – I mean, there's going to be lots of reps listening, probably around two, 300 people. Guys, Enzo is someone I've always looked up to. From the second I met Enzo, he just had a laser focus. I remember when he came into our office in Linden. Yeah, Enzo, you just had this laser focus about you. It was like, yeah, I'm serious about this. I'm serious about life. I want to be successful. I want to be happy. I want to be financially free. And I was really impressed by you. You're kind of like that mystery man, dude, to me. Like, you're just, I couldn't really know what you were thinking, but I just knew you were driven. And then you went out to Florida, and you've been crazy successful for anybody, let alone a rookie. And then to lead a team your rookie year on top of that is crazy for any door-to-door company, especially solar, kind of a harder sell maybe. And so there's so many good things I want to dive into. But to start the call off, I just want to kind of hear your why, dude. Like, what's your goals in life? What's your why? Why are you doing all this? Why are you in Florida? Why are you working so hard chasing this dream? Yeah, so, I mean, as far as working hard, why I do it, um, that's kind of honestly my nature a little bit. Just anything that I do, I like to do it 100%. It's just kind of the category I find myself in. Um, and then just with my why, it just drives me to, to work even harder, to push even further. Um, and it really just helps me to, to find more skill with that conviction. Mm-hmm. For me, I just want to I just wanna be able to, to do what I want in life, right? So going to school, um, I'm studying psychology. I'm studying social work, right? And in the U.S., that's just a really underappreciated job. So I'm not going to get paid much to, to be helping these people. Um, and so I have to find a different way to, to make money. And so for me, this was just like an eye-opening experience where I'm like, wow, this is, this is, this is my calling right now to make some money so that I can do what I want. You know, if I want to go and, and do like child protective services, if I want to become a therapist, whatever I want to do, I won't have to think about, well, 
am I going to be able to feed my family? That kind of a thing. And so that's kind of what I'm driven on and focused on. And, and I just, I just want to make that work. Dang, dude. I didn't know that about you. See, that's why I love these podcasts and I love interviewing reps because Enzo, I feel like I know you pretty well. Like we've hung out multiple times in the office a bunch of times. I was in Florida last month hanging out with you. And I didn't know that, that you were studying psychology and social work, trying to maybe do something in that field. That's a very noble cause, right? That's just like you said, very underpaid and undervalued. Like they do such amazing things and it's such a hard job, but you don't really get the recognition you deserve for that. So that's why you're, wow, that's really interesting. Why? So your plan right now is just to kind of bust it, make as much as you can doing solar, and then in the future, go back to social work type stuff. Yep, exactly. Wow, that is awesome. So, I mean, you've kind of found your place, yourself in the perfect home where Empower is giving out equity and shares in the company and with different things happening. It could be a great two- or three-year program for you. Exactly, and that's, that's what's so hard for me with school is, oh, my God, I don't, I don't think school's in the picture right now. <laughs> Dang, totally. I mean, especially when you can do that now and school's not going anywhere. You can graduate when you're 50. No one cares, really. As long as you have a piece of paper, no one asks you when you got it. They just ask you if you got it kind of thing. So yeah. that's cool, man. So now that you're out there, I, I want to kind of break down your experience from the beginning till now just so we can make sure that everyone's on the same page to know that, like, obviously, if people see your name right now in the Weekly Hyatt video, like last week you threw down seven deals. Is that right? Yeah. So last week you threw down seven. People see Enzo. They're like, yeah, he threw down seven deals last week. He's really good. He has a team. His team had a one point whatever CPR. His life is perfect. His life is easy. But we, I know a lot more of the backstory than anyone else does. But it has not been perfect and easy for you since the beginning, right? Oh, it's it's just been absolutely crazy since coming out here. Like a it's solar coaster, to say the least, right? Yeah, yeah. I like everyone around me is like, this is this is the craziest I've seen, and this is my first year, so. Totally. Just what I was just what I'm used to now, I guess. <laughs> it is what it is. And so I want everyone that's listening to realize, like, man, Enzo makes it look easy, but it hasn't always been easy. And do you remember, like, when you first got out here, knocking doors for your first time? I mean, you did it on a mission, stuff like that. But was the pitch hard to memorize? Was it hard to understand? Like, did you have did you have a hard time getting used to it, or was it pretty natural for you since day one? Um, honestly, it was pretty natural since day one, just because I had served my mission in this area, um, and we only knocked doors, so I, I've been used to, like, knocking doors and having something to say, mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't too bad, and it's a pretty simple pitch, and also just, like, coming out, I had a lot of knowledge about solar, I looked into it, researched it, made sure I understood it, yeah. um, and so, really, my whole time out here, it's been less of a, less of a pitch and more of a conversation, uh -huh. um, and so that, that made it really helpful to where, Hey, I memorize a pitch, yeah, but also it's conversation, so it can it can go different places, and that's okay. I don't get stressed about that. Yeah, so you're flexible, you're willing to change. So I think what we'll do is we'll just jump right into setting. I mean, obviously, everyone has to learn setting before they can learn closing. Like setting is the backbone of the job. If you don't have appointments, it doesn't matter how much you know about closing, right? You gotta be able to set appointments and have people follow up on that. So right now. I'm assuming that a lot of your deals are, you have setters setting for you, but I'm sure you've also self-gen quite a few deals. Is yeah, so I mean, I have two setters right now. Okay. Um, so most of the deals I've put through have predominantly just been self-gens. Wow, sure. so the majority is self-gen, so you're the right guy to talk to when it comes down to this. 
So when you go out and knock right now in Pensacola or maybe different parts of Florida, has your pitch been the same as you've traveled around Florida, different markets? Has it changed or is it the same thing every time? Tell me about that. Um, it's definitely changed. Um, it's, it's definitely changed just depending on the market because I, I sold in Miami, I sold in Orlando, and I sold in Pensacola. Those are just three very different places. Yeah. Um, but the more I've the more I've learned and whatnot, really the most important thing to me is is, is just being straightforward um, and also just being likable when you're setting. Brandon said this to me too, is, is you're supposed to be likable when you're setting. So just having a conversation with people and just getting to the point really, really shows that you're professional and that you're a good person to talk to. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's like the meat of it is kind of the same, of being likable, being personable, making sure that you all just have a conversation with them. But the pitch has changed a little bit in different markets. Yeah, definitely. And so now that you're in Pensacola, when you're out knocking, what do you do right now? What's your current pitch? What do you say? Yeah, so my current pitch is still a net metering pitch. Um, it's just very straightforward, though. So essentially, yeah, just following up on the net metering. Yep, you guys got that meter about about two years ago, right? Were you guys living here for that? And then usually I'll go off on a tangent. Hopefully they moved here or they've been here for a long time. I'll talk to them a little bit about their life, whatever. Okay, sorry, I got to get back into it. Sorry, I just, that's my bad. Um, so kind of like ADHD situation. Oh, okay. um, and I'm like, yeah, the reason I care about your meter uh, it's just because the state actually paid for it. So it's Gulf Power's equipment. State paid for it. And they actually did that so that you can produce your own power through renewable energy. And then I just turn it back on them and I say, so so why guys, haven't you guys done solar? I mean, look at your roof. It's it's totally exposed to the sun and your power is way too expensive. So what's what's holding you back? Um, and I've just found that that when you ask people why they haven't done it yet, if it's later in the conversation... They just give you smoke screen after smoke screen after smoke screen or just say they're not interested. But when you go right off the bat like that and you just totally catch them off guard um, and you ask them before they tell you they're not interested, then it totally changes to where they give you an honest answer of exactly why they haven't gone solar. Whether it's they don't know why they haven't gone solar, they haven't looked into it, or they've had people come by that were just rude or whatever it might be. Um, and I found that to be a very way, honest way to have a conversation and, and have solid leads. Wow. So dang, that's really interesting. So let me kind of run it back to you. Let's make sure on the same page. You, you show up, you give them the net metering pitch and say, hey, um, I'm Enzo. Just want the net metering program. Gold Power can put these out. How long have you lived here for? And they're like, oh, we've lived here for X amount of time. And when they say that, you kind of try and break off into a little like three to five minute conversation about that. Like, oh, you've lived here. Where'd you move from? Or how long? Like, are you staying here forever? Type of questions like that. Is that what you do? Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, yeah, I just moved here like two weeks ago, like super new to the area. What do you guys like to do here? Interesting. And just try to like connect with them a little bit. So you always build rapport after you say, hey, they put this new meter on. How long have you been here? And whether they say, oh, we just moved in. You're like, oh, me too. Or like, oh, we've been here for 10 years. Oh, I just moved in. What's the best thing to do around here? Or Exactly. Okay, awesome. And you kind of build some rapport and you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm on a tangent. Let's get back to the meat of this thing, whatever it is, right? And then yeah. that's when you go into like, so yeah, this net meter was put on for renewable energy. Why haven't you guys gone solar yet? It's almost what you say. Yeah, exactly. And wow. it just totally catches them off guard and just makes them way more transparent. Yeah. And that way there's no questions asked. Like you're there for solar. It's not shady. They're not confused. When you go back there for the appointment, I'm sure they know it's solar, stuff like that. Yeah, 
exactly. Which obviously, I mean, maybe that pitch wouldn't work everywhere just because different markets are more saturated, less saturated, whatever. But for Pensacola, it seems like it's working pretty dang good, dude. Your team is crushing it. Definitely. Like Orlando, my pitch was definitely different. It was, it was, I had talked to a lot of California guys about trying to dial the pitch and it was, it was different. Mm-hmm. Um, but same, same idea. It's interesting how you just learn so much just being there, huh? Like you can kind of develop yeah. your own pitch just after doing it day in, day out. So after you ask them, hey, why haven't you gone solar? They kind of give you their reasons. And then what do you do from there? Do you try and solve all those right then? Do you say, oh, let me come back and solve those? What happens there? Yeah, so it really depends on the person. Um, if they're pretty easygoing, if I built a good relationship with them, I'll say, yeah, no worries. A lot of your neighbors have the same concern. Um, but what we're just going to do, we'll just see if you qualify. Um, we'll come back, sit down with you, and, and explain that to you. Um, if they're hesitant and I don't think that they're going to sit down with me if I don't give them any information, then I'll just be very thorough in my explanation of whatever their concern is. If it's holes in the roof, I'll explain exactly how we install on the roof, uh, our 25-year warranty, things like that, and spec up. Um, that's, that's that, and then set an appointment. It just depends on their personality. Interesting. Um, but I, te- I tend to shy away from giving lots of information because then they make a decision on the door rather than when you're sitting with them. Yeah. So you try and give them just enough just to make sure they sit because you would rather give the rest of it to them while you're at their dinner table, sitting down, talking, etc. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. So if they're like, oh, well, my objection is X, Y, Z, you maybe answer X, but leave Y and Z for the table later or something. Exactly. That yeah. makes sense. And then you just try and schedule the appointments and then do it for the same day next day. Or how do you do it? When it comes to scheduling, how far off do you like to schedule your appointments? Um, if possible, same day every time. Oh, wow. Um, I'll always go for a same day if I have openings. So, if I don't have an opening, then I'll just go for the next day. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you have openings like... For example, if you're knocking 11 a.m. and you have openings from like 5, 6, or 7 that night, you'll try and put it in those windows. Yep, exactly. How do you do your schedule on yourself, Jenny? Do you just let appointments go whenever, or do you have certain times that you knock, certain times that you close, or how do you know if you have appointments or openings? Yeah, so I essentially what I do, I try to, if I'm going to schedule for next day, I try to put them in the morning. Okay. Um, but for me, if it's a same day, what I do is I, I, I value same days above all else. Like I just have the most success with the same day. People are more open. They haven't had time to really think about it, come up with all these crazy concerns that aren't real. Um, and so if I have a same day for five o'clock, that's great for knocking. Um, but I would rather close a deal than, than get a couple sets, you know? Totally. Totally. Dude. That's so how you, I see it. I, yeah. Yeah. So you try and put that for the evening. You try and keep knocking for as long as you can, but you put it that day. No doubt. Yes. No, that makes sense. I, I don't know if you can hear my keyboard, but I'm typing away, dude, taking notes about this. That way when guys call me and say, hey, how do I do this and that, I can reference this call. So, oh, perfect. No, I love it. That's awesome. So you always do same days or next days. If someone says like, hey, I can't meet for a week or four days or five days, do you push them off? Do you set it? Do you say, oh, I'll come back. I can't do it. What's your approach there? Um. I will, I'll usually be pretty pushy to find out why they can't do it. Uh-huh. Um, so I'll just be like, yeah, listen, like I'm super busy too. So I'm, I understand how you feel. Uh, what do you got going on so I can work around it? Um, yeah. and if they're, if they're genuine, I've had people that are super, super busy, like they've got a business running, things like that. 
in that case, I'll schedule it out. Um, for example, like I had a close last week where they had scheduled it out two weeks out because they showed me their calendar and they were just booked. Um, but they put it in their calendar, they were there and they closed. So it's wow. just up to the person, the situation. If they're serious, if they're uh, if they're someone who who schedules out their time and prioritizes their time, sure, I'll sit with them in in a week or whatever. Um, but if they're not super serious or they seem like a little whimsical about it, then I'm just going to put it as a note to follow up in the future. Um, but I'm not going to take my time to, to set that appointment. Totally. So you, you kind of do case by case. Like if someone's legit and they're on a flake and you can tell, you'll, you'll set it out a week because you'll put it in yours, they'll put it in their schedule, you'll be good to go. But those guys are like, oh, you know, I don't know. This week I'm tired. I'm too tired. I'm just not going to meet with you. Maybe next week come by. Right, those ones yeah. you don't. You don't make a priority. You just leave. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that makes sense. And when it comes to the bill, how like how do you usually pull the bill? What's your favorite go to like one line to get the bill, and how does it usually come? What form? Um. So usually, what I'll do is I'll be talking to them about their. It depends on the pitch, but if I'm talking to them about pricing or they're frustrated about their price, I'll just be like, "No way, it's that high. Can you show it to me?" Or whatever it might be. Um, and then they just grab their bill and bring it out. Mm-hmm. So it's more like a conversation thing. If it's a, with the a, a pitch I'm doing about solar right now, it's just about qualifying. So I'll talk to them about the importance of the bill and how we're going to make this 100% correct for them. So I'll talk about, be like, hey, um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the top of your roof, see how much sun it gets, 10 years of weather data through Google Sunroof, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing that we need is just to see how much you're using. And we can see that through through the graph on your bill. Do you get it in paper or do you get it online? And then I'll just kind of look down and start messing with my iPad or my clipboard or whatever and just kind of makes them feel awkward so they just go grab it. <laughs> you don't ever bell them out, right? Like you ask for it, then you look away, like waiting for them to go yeah, do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's like the hardest thing for reps to learn. I've noticed, I'm sure you're the same way. You've trained a lot of reps now. And over the last couple of years, I've noticed that people just have a hard time asking and then not like doing like just asking and then shutting up kind of a little bit yeah it's just it's so it gets awkward and you want to keep talking to kind of ease attention but that's that just gives them a way out yeah exactly totally and so they give you the bill you schedule it um i think that's pretty much everything about setting that i have thought of and that i've wanted to hear from you is there anything else about setting you feel like hey everyone should hear this or everyone should know this let's get into setting um, I, th- I just think one of the biggest things is just not caring, like just really, really, really not caring what people think about you, um, not caring about just how people perceive you, just, just all these things that like get, get us caught up to where we knock three doors and then we feel down because we just, we just got three no's and it's like, no, you should be excited because, because that fourth one will be a yes. You're just that much closer to a yes. Cause all we're doing is we're just plugging through numbers. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're just plugging through people, numbers. There's going to be someone that's that's just it's never been the right situation for them. And now it is, you know, it's just that's just how it is. And so um, there's that. And then also just value, value yourself. There's all these reps out there. Um, and honestly, they're just they're just messing around. They're just they're just not qualified. They're not professional. They're not this. They're not that. They don't they don't know a ton. Um, and so don't don't compare yourself to other reps when they said, yeah, you're the fifth person today. It doesn't matter. Like you are the first person that's you, you know, totally. it's just, you're, you're totally different. Don't compare yourself to other reps. 
Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's some good insight that a lot of common reps do. I'm sure you've heard those complaints on your team. And those are some great tips to get past that. Have you ever been in a big funk out there that you've had to pull yourself out of? Or are you pretty much... Oh. What did yeah, you say? Time. You've been in some yeah. of those? Yeah. How do you get yourself out of it? Like, is there something that you do? I mean, besides, you know, thinking in your head, hey, this is just one door closer to success. Hey, I'm different than other reps. Like, when you're in a big funk or when you just can't use your mind straight, like, what are some tips that you do that maybe other people can do? Um... One thing is just talking to other people. I love to call my leaders. Uh, I love to call Carson or Jake or whoever and say, hey, man, I'm struggling. Like, just be straight up. Um, and then just them have them talk to me just so that it can help me out a little bit. Um, and then one thing that really helps, too, is talk to someone who's struggling more than I am. So I'll go out and knock with one of the newer reps or someone who's just hasn't pulled a bill in a couple days. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just force myself to get all excited. Um, and then I just I just do a lot better when I'm working with someone else, um, especially if I'm feeling down and they're feeling down. I just won't let myself just get caught in that. So I'll just push myself to be positive, and that usually helps. Just to knock with someone who's struggling more than I am. Dang, I think I think the old saying. I don't know if it's like a saying or what, but I think we can all agree that it is so common to think that your life is like the worst. Right? Like there's no one that has it worse than you, type of thing. But really, when it comes down to it, there's always someone that's having a worse day, probably. Yeah, for <laughs> or sure. struggling worse, kind of like you're saying. So that's good insight. I think that that's super common in door-to-door sales in general, not just our company. I just think in door-to-door sales, it's such a rejection job that lots of no's to get that one yes, it's kind of hard to mentally be strong, especially if you're, work- if you're used to working in a place that doesn't tell you no all day or isn't sales or is indoors or isn't hard or whatever. Right. Yeah. So transitioning over from setting over to closing, I'm really curious, how long did you set for before you started closing? Was that like a week long thing? Was it a month long thing? I know you've had um, a lot of Rocky, five, like Rocky Road. Yeah, but it was five days. Five days. Do you feel like for the average guy, I have these theories and I want to share them with you. And I've shared them with a lot of people in the company and they're kind of getting trademarked now, it seems like for that. But my three theories are this. Theory number one is if you can set, you can close. No matter what. Like if you can set appointments, you can close deals. My second theory is if you can't set within your first 30 days, you either need to go home or do something else. Like figure out a different way to learn how to set. And that usually goes with my third theory of you never really learn how to set until you learn how to close. And so my thought is, hey, if you haven't figured it out in your first 30 days, you might as well try and start learning how to close because it's just going to give you more knowledge and help you with setting. And if you can set, you can close. What do you think about those, Enzo? Like, does that make sense to you? Do you feel like that's correct? Yeah, I think if you can set, I think if you can set well, you can set quality appointments, you can certainly close. Um, so yeah, I think as long as you're setting good leads that are closing, then I think you can definitely close yourself. It's just about putting in the extra time, getting the extra knowledge and the extra training just to, just to make it happen. Totally. And do you feel like you learned how to be a better setter once you learned how to close? Um, like you, you just know, had more knowledge, I, I more go facts? Back, I, I go back and forth on that. Just I think I have a lot more confidence now setting mm-hmm. now that I have all this knowledge. You know, I know that solar is 100% the best thing to do in every situation just about. Um, and so that helps me have confidence and just be a challenger on the doors. However, honestly, it's, I think when you're setting, you 
definitely need to separate closing and setting Mm -hmm. to where you are not closing people on the doors um, and you are not giving too much information. I think that's one of the biggest downfalls that I've had and other people have had where they're just spitting out too much knowledge on the doors. They're just, they're just going all in. Um, and that just, I just feel like that just makes it so that at least here in Florida, that just makes it so that people are just no longer interested. They feel like they know everything. I don't know. It's just hard. There's, there's definitely a limit to where you don't want to give too much information. Totally. And actually that's a good point. I haven't really thought about that too much is I think there's always that first week from going to a setter to a self gen to a, closer whatever those first couple weeks of doing that are always rocky you get too much information you can't manage your time there's a lot of struggles but then once you do start to learn again like oh i can't just say everything on the doors then that's when you're like the most powerful you're more confident you have answers to every question you can pull any bill and you actually start to learn how to gauge that right yeah so now that you're closing you show up to an appointment right now how long does that appointment usually take you? Like, if you're going to close the deal from start to finish, walking in, walking out, what's your time limit? Like, what's your time frame looking like? Um, it definitely it definitely depends on the person and the situation. But I'd say on average, if my deal is going to close, that's that's a, it's. I know I go longer than most people. It's about an hour, 15, hour and a half if they're closing fully with docs. Yeah. I think that sounds pretty normal. I mean, for most people that I hear, I mean, maybe it's a little bit different, but... I usually hear it's about an hour, hour and a half, give or take. And then out of that hour and a half, if you had to split that up into different sections or like kind of fragments, how would you see that time is spent? Like 15 minutes here, 20 minutes on this, five minutes on this. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that, so I would say I spend about 10, 15 minutes, sometimes 20, depending on the person, if they're elderly, things like that, I'll spend more time. Um, but at least 10 minutes just chatting with them, building rapport, finding connections between the two of us. Um, then the next three to seven minutes or so, um, I'm just I'm just asking them tons of questions about solar, what they know, what they've heard, things they've heard that are negative, good things, whatnot. Um, and then I'm also just setting the tone for the appointment. I make sure that they know, hey, I'm here. I'm here to get I'm here to get you qualified like at the end of this we're going to check to see if you qualify and go from there um as well with that i tell them hey i'm not here for a maybe i I just don't have time for that i can't go back and forth things like that um and then also the third thing i say is just like we're going to go through all this if it makes sense for you great let's do it if it doesn't make sense no worries we're we're still going to be friends at the end of this so you kind of joke around about it a little bit yeah, just setting the stage to where they just feel comfortable, where they're just like, okay, this is a no-pressure situation. If it makes sense, we'll do it. If it doesn't, then that's okay. Um, and that's really helpful. That's that's really helpful, I found. It just puts people at ease and, and just makes the, the close, so to speak, a lot easier. So let me make sure I'm on the same page. I think you had some great insights throughout that whole thing. So you walk in, and your first 10 minutes, you just kind of chat, hang out, talk about life, try and build connection between you guys or similarities, build trust, build rapport. And then you spend a few minutes setting expectations right after that. I'm like, Hey, look, I'm here to try and get you guys qualified. If you don't get qualified, if you're not interested. That's totally fine. But I'm just super busy. I just need a yes or no today. You're like, you want to do this? We want to get you qualified and start, or you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then right before that, even I, I just, I gauge their knowledge of solar too. 
I, I found that's really important. So the steps would be build rapport, talk to for 10 minutes. For a couple minutes, gauge their knowledge of solar. Then for a couple minutes, set expectations. For a little bit, say that you're busy, you need a yes or no, and then you'll start your presentation. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So you're probably starting it, I mean, what, maybe 10 minutes or something like that? Like, or no, sorry, maybe 20 minutes after your, uh, like. Yeah, I'd say probably, probably 15. Okay, probably 15, 20 minutes after. Sorry, there's a little glitch there. But, yeah, so probably 15, 20 minutes after you actually get in there. And then how long do you take actually going through the deck or presentation? Yeah, so the deck's pretty short. It, it depends on the person. Um, if everything goes smoothly and they don't have any questions or anything, um, maybe 20 minutes, 25 at the most. Usually I, I, it's a very conversational, like I have the deck open just to show visuals, but it's very conversation based. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to make sure it's conversation back and forth. I have a lot of questions I'm asking them throughout just to kind of guide them towards what I want them to say. Yeah. Um, but, but essentially that's, that's what it is. So it's a little bit of that, and then, so then you're then you're into it. What forty five minutes right now, or so? Yeah, probably forty forty five. Forty five when the deck's over, plus your like building rapport and stuff at the beginning is over. Yeah. And then towards the end, that forty five minute mark, then you're like, all right, so what do you think, or how do you bring that up? Yeah. So one thing that's very different that I do that other people don't do. Um, so my deck is entirely value based. So I don't, I don't talk about any numbers whatsoever. So there's no question of your current bill is this, it will be this, none of that. I present on value, everything, get them excited. And then I show them what their price is going to be. Oh, um, wow. So at the very end, so sorry, I didn't know that that's crazy, dude. So throughout the deck, you're, you're 20, just to make sure people understand your you're 15 minutes of report questions. Then you're 20, 25 minutes of um, the deck, and that is all just building value. You don't show them their numbers that whole time. Yeah, no numbers. And then at the end, you're like, all right, you understand the value of this. Now this is what your numbers would look like. Yep, so then I show them what it would look like with whatever energy company they have, and then I go into, okay, great, these are, these are your numbers. It's how much it's going to cost you. Wow. And then you say, hey, what do you think? Or how does that go usually when you show them the numbers? Yeah, I say, what are your, like, what are your questions? What did I miss? And then they're like, yeah, it's it looks good. The numbers look awesome. Yeah. Is that yeah. usually they how usually it goes? Say, yeah, this this makes sense, or yeah, this all sounds great. They'll say stuff like that. Because usually, if you've been able to get through the whole deck, you know they're pretty interested. Yeah. Like at the point where you built your pour, you got through the deck, you built the value, you show them the pricing, and they're like, yeah, this looks great. And do they usually give you that yes or no right there? Do they usually say like, yeah, let's do it or no, let's not. Or do you ever get maybes, even though you preface at the beginning that you don't want a maybe? I, I, I certainly still get maybes. Um, mostly with elderly people out here, they're mm. just very set on not making a decision on the spot. Uh huh. Um, that's just a struggle I have. I, I think it's just that in my inability to build value still, I'm still very new. I'm still working on it. So just, yeah, I still get maybes. It's usually I need time to think about it. Um, but when someone says I need time to think about it, I say, okay, well, uh, I try to overcome it. Yeah. Your, your neighbors felt the same way. All we're doing is we get the permits rolling just to do this, that, and the other it's, you're not really bound by anything. Like you can, you can still think about it while it's going through, Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of try to go that route. If they're still just really scared to sign that type of thing, I'll just give them two days and follow up with them. Then just give them a call 
or just drop by. So you don't um, schedule anything. You just either give them a call or drop by. Yeah. So you yeah. don't like, hey, I'll, I'm going to come by at this way. time. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, exactly. Or we'll say one of the things I've, I've been saying lately at the end is if they're just still need time to decide, I'm like, okay, well, I'm so sorry. Like, what, what did I do wrong to, to not make this clear enough for you? Yeah, no, that you makes know, sense. It kind of makes it a little uncomfortable for them to where it's on them, not me. Mm-hmm. So if they say that, then you're kind of like, all right, well, what I do, what I do wrong, how can I fix this? And they're like, oh, you did great. I just need more time to think. You'll give them two days, and that's always your thought. Like the rule of thumb is in 48 hours, you'll call them back and just ask them, hey, did you make up your mind? Did you think about it? Whatever. Yeah, exactly. And usually it's a no. Um, if they're thinking about it, it's usually a no. But one in every, I don't know, five to ten, it'll be a yes. So it's, so. it's worth just... It's not worth like scheduling it in and dropping the ball and stuff, but it's worth at least just giving them a call real fast and yeah. hearing the no. Yeah. Hearing the no for five Definitely. to 10 minutes or whatever. Definitely. Yeah, that makes total sense. And then if they say yes, obviously you're going through docs, and that's probably going to, that's where the other 20, 30 minutes comes from. Like going through docs, getting everything signed, getting things approved, getting site survey scheduled, stuff like that. Yep, exactly. Is there anything you do before you leave the appointment? Like, if they do say yes and they do want to get signed up, is there anything you do before you leave the appointment where you try and make sure it gets installed, you try and sure it up, you, you t- walk them through a timeline? Like, How does it kind of look after you sign the docs and they're committed before you leave? After you sign but before you leave, what happens there? Do you do anything special? Um, so I set expectations actually before they even say yes or no. Like. That's actually my last slide in the deck is this is how it's going to work when you guys get solar permitting, blah, 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 all these things. Um, so that's helpful also just to push them towards we're doing this without asking them. Um, but as well, just after, like once everything's signed and stuff, I'm like, okay, great. Now, so we're going to have someone come out to actually end up seeing if you are able to fully qualify because we're still not sure what the structure of your home, all these things. Um and then from there, from there, we'll we'll be putting in the permits, and it'll be, and I give them a longer than it'll actually be, but I'll say it'll be about two months until it's installed or so, um, just kind of depending. And then I just give them my card, and I say, hey, I work every single day other than Sundays. Like, just give me a call whenever. Any questions you have, any concerns that come up, I promise there's an answer. So just 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 let me know. Yeah. Um, and then I like to drop by too, and. Um, just like give them a gift card or when they're getting close to installing just to make the first year free I usually just give them $180 so that, that helps too because you do uh, the you do the no payment whatever for 15, 15 bucks a month for the first year yeah almost always okay. it's rare that I don't and so that's when you sign them up for through Enium and then you go back and give them a gift card and say hey here's 180 bucks to make your first year free correct do you promise that or you just show up with that um, so I tell them the first year is going to be free. I don't explain how that works. Um, so then I usually just show up and do that. Okay. Um, and I think that's, it's, it's kind of nice for them. It's like a surprise. It's like, okay, he's still here. It just kind of enforces a little bit of trust. It's like, I do what I say, you know? Yeah, no, totally. So you, so you tell them when you're closing them, Hey, just, just so you guys know, the first year is free. And that's like, Oh, cool. Awesome. And then you show up and give them the money. So it's actually hard money. Hey, this is why it's free. Cause I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. Exactly. That's cool. So then now they know you, they've seen you again, they have your number, they have your card, etc. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, that makes total sense, dude. I'm sure you're seeing great results from all this. Obviously, I'm sure a lot of your team is implementing this. And so then if you are 
if you ever do have a, like a customer that calls you and cancels or has any issues, what's kind of your process there? How do you try and save deals? Or is there a way that you do, or do you just let them go and say, oh, I'll find another one, no big deal? Um, so this is, I hate cancels. Totally. Everyone hates them, makes me feel sick. Uh-huh. Um, but usually what I do is I just stay very calm. I'm like, okay, like no worries. What's what's going on? Tell me about it. Um, they'll talk to me about it, depending on the situation. I'll always, like last resort is I'll say, okay, I'm gonna, I'll come over and help you guys cancel. You know, mm-hmm. just kind of go face to face, figure out the issue, see what's really going on. Um, and if they really just want to cancel and they have their reasons and that's just what they're set on, I'll just. I'll just void the documents for them and announce that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as it's it, usually the concern is with documents and stuff that they reread after and they're like, whoa, this is what we talked about kind of a thing. And um, it's often just forgetfulness on their part. And so I'll just explain the numbers again and, and just have them type it into a loan calculator type thing. Yeah. But that usually helps. I think that's a good insight right there. I'm glad that we covered that because I think what you said was really profound that you say, all right, like here, I'll hear you out on the phone, and then whatever they say, then you're like, all right, well, let me just come over and try and cancel. Like, I'll help you cancel in person, just to make sure that you have one more shot to try and save them, right? Yeah. Because you don't want to try and go over documents over the phone. It's never a good idea. Yeah. Or like exactly go over hard, confusing things. Like, oh yeah, well, let me try and save that or make it make sense to you over the phone, where both rush and can't really hear each other and whatever. Yeah, and you definitely just want to not make it a big deal at all. Like if they're trying to counsel, you're like, okay, no worries. Like let's let's talk about it together, face yeah. to face, kind of a thing. And so if they give you answers like, oh, I want to cancel because of this, this, and this, you're like, all right, well, let's talk about it more when I come over. Or do you try and resolve them and answer them on the phone? Or do you always just say, okay, no worries, I'll come over and you hear what they say, so you know, but you always just go over there and talk to them in person before you try and resolve. Or how do you do that? Um, it it just super depends on their personality. Again, if they're very fired up, like some people just be fired up out of nowhere, whether it's like from a neighbor or a family member or something, they're kind of freaking out. In that case, I'll, I'll just go over it with them. Like just right off the bat, just be like, Hey, well, remember, this is what we talked about. You know, just kind of remind them of what we spoke, spoke on. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're pretty relaxed, they're like, Hey, like this just isn't a good thing for us right now, whatever. Then I'll definitely just hear them out and then go over. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Dude, there's so many things that you've covered on the call that I feel like are so, so valuable. And I think that what a lot of closers struggle with is they're good at building rapport and they're good at, they're good at like kind of setting expectations maybe. But when a few objections come up, they don't know how to answer them. What have you seen as like the biggest three objections when it comes to closing a deal down? What are the biggest three reasons that someone's not going to do it? Um, one is like, I'm not going to see the benefit in my lifetime. That's been a recent one with a lot of the elderly people out here, um, which is different. And I just try to explain to them, like, listen, you're, you're adding value to your home. You're passing on a gift to your kids, your grandkids. You are on a fixed bill with your fixed income. So it makes sense. Things like that with them. Um, Another big objection I get during during that whole process lately has been insurance. Just really weird about insurance and thinking their insurance is going to go way up. Uh-huh. Um, the only difficulty I've found with that lately is that it seems to almost be true out here to where people's insurance is going up if they get solar. 
Um, and I think it's just the way that they go about it with their company. They're just not very educated on how, how that all works. Mm-hmm. Um, so lately I've been trying to explain to them like, Hey, the insurance company, they're a sales company, you know, if they can get you at a higher premium, that's what they're going to do. So what you need to do is you need to tell them that, that currently it should be covered in your plan. You're not adding a ton of value. Like you're not adding a crazy amount of worth to your home. Um, and that if they won't cover it, that you're just going to walk and go to a different insurance company to try and um, make them really, not raise it. Exactly, because it's it's not very complicated to switch insurance companies, and then also, I mean, you're always going to get a better deal at a different one, so it's good to switch every once in a while anyway. Totally, totally. So it makes sense just to try and negotiate with them a little bit, like, hey, I'm going to go find somewhere else if you can't give me a better deal, kind of thing. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And the third one, it's probably just, I need time to think about it. This is a big commitment. I don't make it on the spot. Um, that's the biggest one I struggle with. And I, frankly, I just think it's because in my own mind, I'm like, fair enough, you know, like <laughs> I, I probably, I probably would make this decision on, on my first, uh, first attempt or whatever. Totally. Um, You're like, dude, I just met you. So too. I, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you. Yeah. So what I'll try to do is I'll try to like, just be like, yeah, no pressure. Just make documents seem really not a big deal. Like, yeah, of course you're thinking about it during documents. Um, but I'm just careful with that too because I don't want them just to sign and cancel because mm-hmm. I feel like that's a waste of time and effort as well. So I don't know. With that one, I, I'm very willing to, to have other people give me insight. No, that makes sense. I think the best thing I've heard lately on that third one is, yeah, I just like what you said. Like, hey, let them know like this is just the first step. Like to get solar, it's really a seven or eight week process. And I want you to actually be able to have it when that time comes, not decide then and then have to wait another seven or eight weeks. And so – by getting qualified or getting signed up, you can always cancel within a few days or I can come back again, but you might as well start the process. And that's what I've been hearing is working well for people is just letting them know yeah. you can, not bringing up you can cancel if they're not saying that concern, but if that is our objection, you let them know, hey, you can cancel anytime for no penalty, pretty much. Yeah. And so really you're not deciding anything until glass is on the roof and that's not going to be for another four to six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is. And so that's what I've been hearing works, but obviously that's a hard one for everybody because it's a valid point. Like sometimes you do need some more time to think about a big decision. Totally. Totally. Well, Enzo, we're coming to our kind of hour mark, and I want to try and keep these a little bit shorter. I know people are always driving to area, and I'm stoked for people to hear this call. You have done amazing things as of late. As a closer, as a leader, as a setter, uh, you've knocked out of the park in every way, and every time I talk to your leaders – like Carson or Holgate or whoever else, they always let me know how much I respect you and how well you're doing. So thanks for your time, dude. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it, Jake. I honestly, I, I learned a lot from you. I'm, I'm really excited to share this with other reps company-wide. So if you guys need Enzo, you know where to find him down in Pensacola. Until then, Enzo, we'll talk to you next time.